Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. I'm pleased today to welcome Samuel Njovi from Zambia. Samuel Njovi is the chairperson of the Zambia Small Scale Miners Association. Zambia is, of course, one of the world's largest producers of minerals, particularly copper. Simon, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. It's, it's a real pleasure to have you, and I look forward to our conversation. Thank you, Sheila, and um, uh, thank you to, the, to our listeners. I wonder if you could just start by telling us about your association. Uh, why and when was the association started? Yes. Um, the Association for Small Scale Miners Association of Zambia was formed in 2008 and it was registered in 2010. Why we formed the association was to see to it that we stop being discriminated by our government, which was arresting us here in Zambia when we are dealing with minerals. We used to deal in different types of minerals within our country, Zambia. We used to um, have cobalt, used to deal in copper and gold, and mainly copper concentrates and copper ore, which was coming from different provinces within Zambia. So because of the challenges that we had, we had to see to it that we form the association which will be able to represent over 30,000 small-scale miners around the country here in Zambia. And because of the privatization, which was uh, um, being done during the 2000 era, we lost a lot of jobs. Our parents lost a lot of jobs. Some, they were um, depressed of what was happening. And we saw that it was an opportunity for us to create wealthy, to create sustainable uh, development for our communities. Because we used to deal in these things uh, when we were young and um, a lot of buyers, they used to come and collect our copper, collect our gold and cobalt. We thought we can have a platform where we can be able to speak to government on the challenges that we were being faced um, as small scale miners. And it worked out quickly and um, we were able to reconnect with our government to understand each other. That's wonderful. So let's uh, revisit uh, the privatization era. Uh, at the time, of course, um, the state ran the mines. Are you saying that and at the time when the state was running the many of the copper mines, relationship with uh, small producers were smooth and that after the privatization, things changed? Yes, after privatization, the relationship with small miners, it, it, it collapsed and it had to open up um, the, the Chinese uh, people had to come in with smelters. They had to bring in uh, financial support to start opening up um, uh, buying uh, places where they started setting up plants 
on the copper belt in Lusaka and uh, central province, and they had to catch the, the small mining players. So because of privatization, we had to lose a lot of employment and it had to open up new people that came in, the Chinese people who were able to come in to come and collect the copper and to come and collect the cobalt and gold. But the challenge that we had, it was the pricing. And um, they were giving us low prices. And because they saw that there's a lot of minerals uh, that were being mined here in Zambia, they gave us um, a, a low deal in terms of pricing. And because we didn't have where to sell, we had no choice but to give them so that we can continue mining. But otherwise, after privatization, yes, we lost connection because um, when the mines were being run by government and by ZCCM in those days, they used to look after the communities. Sometimes the mines, large-scale mines, would be able to um, offload some ore to us for the community where we can be sorting out uh, different types of chrome. Um, we can sort out the chips, uh, cobalt chips, what we used to call cobalt chips, and we could sort out um, scrap from that. So there was a dump site which ZCCM used to throw some of these things um, and we could be able to pick up and this one would pick up a one ton, this one would pick up a two ton and when we sell, um, we would be able to support our families and be able to feed and take to school our children um, during the period. But after the privatization, we received a lot of Chinese people who came in but they were offering us a lot deal, but we had no choice but to give them. And so the, uh, how has the government uh, been able to help you overcome the challenge of uh, low prices from those buying from you since you established the association? I think from the time President Edgar Lungu came into power, he has given a listening ear to small-scale miners. And from that, we've been able to see, to see improvement um, in terms of um, empowerment, in terms of um, uh, financial empowerment, um, equipment for us to move forward. Yes, government has been there to uh, support us from the uh, back of the president, but the implementation, the implementation of these policies, they've been slow. And this is why we have experienced this slowness in terms of how we should run. Because our aim as an association of small scale miners was to see to it that we have a structured program that will be able to benefit the communities surrounding the mines. When you do a research right now, when you do a research right now, where there's highest poverty levels in Zambia, it is in the mining towns where we have investors who are doing mining. So this has been the challenge, but otherwise the government has been able to, to help. So your membership, you said you had uh, about uh, 30,000 members. 
uh, are many of your members uh, minors in the sense that they have uh, licenses or concessions from the government to mine, or are they collaborating with large scale and working on tailing stumps or pits that may otherwise be abandoned by large scale miners? Uh, what, what type of uh, mining are your members essentially undertaking? After privatization, after privatization, we had a lot of people that showed interest in buying these mines. Now, ZCCM had um, copper, cobalt dumps where they were dumping odd, odd, odd pits. And these odd dump sites, they were sold differently to different investors. Now, these investors, they were given concessions, they were given licenses, and up to now, none of them is mining on those dump sites. So our people, they know what is underneath. They know what is on these dump sites. For the past 20 years, we've been going on these dump sites. Sometimes we can have challenges in terms of when we start doing the mines, um, they will send um, uh, the police to come and arrest our people. But we told them that these things, when they were being sold, no one knew that we are selling to these investors. The community didn't know that these people, they've bought these things. So that, the challenge that has been there is that where we are mining from, the concessions are with different people who we don't see. Some of them, we just see them on paper. You know, but our people need to feed. They need to take people, our kids to school. They need to buy foods. They need to live a life that is um, deserved to be lived by a human being. Mm -hmm. What we have done so far, we have started getting um, um, what we call mineral trading permits for our people, so that even if government comes to question, they'll be able to find these people with these trading permits. We've got, we've got uh, now a mineral trading permit for gold, we've got mineral trading permits for copper, and we've got mineral trading permit for industrial minerals. So we've divided our people into three phases, and this has been able to help um, our people to be able to account for what they are mining, because we want them to be paying taxes to government. Not only that, the United Nations Development Program, it has come in to help and see that small-scale miners benefit and have a proper running mining space, which will be able to protect the people themselves to have a, a safe mining environment. And it has been able to collaborate with government that we work together. And that is able to open up those on, for, for us to continue mining. Yeah, so when I listen to you, Simon, you, you touch on many very important issues. The first is that when you have communities around the uh, large mining projects, mm -hmm. uh, these communities naturally want to benefit from this. 
And, and, yes. and the way your organization is helping them is by ensuring they do so lawfully by getting permits, but also that mm. they get the right price for what yes. they sell. Yes. I think this is, this is, I think, something that you, you are saying, but you're also saying that um, there can be potentially some conflict between large scale and small scale because large mm. scale takes a big area yes, under yes. its mining concessions, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they are working on those tailing stump, dumps every day yes. nor in that deposit. And so when your members see these tailing dumps, they think, well, there is a potential or we are going to extract. All of a sudden mm. the government says, oh, 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 that belongs to somebody else. Yes. And, yes. and, 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 and I guess uh, creating this uh, clarity between who owns what yeah. is, is one of the most challenging thing. And I wanted to just hear from you these uh, mineral permits, how helpful are they in made, not just making sure you operate legally, but that this, the rights of both uh, small-scale miners and the rights of large-scale miners are protected? Do you feel that in Zambia you are getting close to arresting that challenge, Simon? Yes, Sheila. I think uh, we want to be responsible miners. That's number one. Number two, we want government to have confidence in us. It's high time we started looking after our people using our natural resources. I will give you an example. There's a company called Kajam Mining. Kajam Mining is sitting on a license of 60 kilometer or more than 60 kilometer. Now, when you look at that area and what they are mining, they are using a small portion of about 10 kilometers or less than 10 kilometers where they are doing their mining. You know, for the past 50 years, they've been using just that 10 kilometer where they are doing their production. Right now, we have petitioned the large-scale mines and all these uh, gemstone mines to the Republican president to come in so that they can let go of some of these tenements which they do have and the ones that they are not using. We know that it's their license and it was given to them. But if they are not using the area and our people identifies minerals which they are mining, using shovels, it's, it's in small quantities, but it helps, it goes a long way. Because if one small scale miner mines a one ton of copper, one ton of copper, if it's 20% um, concentration, someone will be able to have a $1,000, $2,000, which will be able to help the family during that month. We don't want to go in conflict with the large-scale mines. We want to dialogue with them. They know the problem, they know what to do, and they know what they're supposed to do to help the communities. Not only that, Shira, our chiefs, we've got our chiefs, the traditional chiefs. There are eight of them on the Copper Belt province. And these people, the way they are living and the way 
uh, the large-scale mines are looking after them. It's not good at all. But if us, we make the small quantities that we receive from our buyers, we are able to distribute that financial to the chief domes. We are able to distribute that um, um, finance to our communities. We are able also to help those children who cannot afford to pay school fees and to pay university and college um, fees. We are able to pay for them. So it's really a big job that we are doing. You know, it's a big job that we are doing. But above all, government has been very committed to resolving this, this thing, especially during the era of President Edgar Lungo. So uh, again, Simon, you say a lot. One of the things that interests me is your commitment uh, and recognition that your members must pay tax because this is unusual. Uh, yes. Typically, small scale miners in some parts of the world, particularly, operate below what I call the uh, line of scrutiny. And uh, that the value chain is a little bit uh, lacking in transparency, especially with respect to just how much money has been made from the sale and, and, and therefore how much tax can be levied. Do I understand it then, Simon, that your members keep books in terms of what they sell and that subject to them uh, selling enough to pay tax, that part of what you're doing is encouraging them to do that? Yes. I think in the past years, um, we've had a lot of consultants coming in. We've had um, the United Development Programs, which has offered a lot of uh, workshops on how to operate a mine on artisanal uh, part. And they've been able to teach our people on how they should be able to keep books, on how they should be able to, um, uh, to keep up financial uh, books, and on how they should be able to pay taxes through Zambia Revenue Authority. And that has worked so well. Why did we do this? We used to have a lot of problems because sometimes I can keep my copper or my cobot in the warehouse for six months without finding the buyer, the right buyer with the right price. So if the government institutions, especially from the security side, they come to check my minerals, they need to find me where I bought from, the police clearance, they need to find me with a mineral trading permit, and they need to find me with the mineral export permit if I'm going to export. And we've been able to open up markets in the other regions, in Tanzania, in South Africa, and Zimbabwe, because selling in our country, sometimes we are not getting the right price. I'll give you an example. If I have gold of one kg or 500 grams, here in Zambia, I'll be able to sell per gram, maybe $40, $40 or $35. But the same gold, if I fly to go to South Africa, I'll be able to sell two times more than that. So 
To answer your question, Shira, our challenges that we have had is the consistency of teaching and telling our members that they need to register private companies, they need to register their own companies through the Zambia system and be able to have books so that we don't have these difficulties. And it has worked out very well so far. Well, that's good to know. You, you mentioned that uh, you don't really want conflict with large scale mining, but that instead you want to work with them because you think there's enough room for uh, both interests. Uh, I know that Zambia has a fairly uh, large and strong chamber of mines. Uh, do you interact with the chamber of mines? Are these some of the issues you uh, engage with the chamber of mines over, or do you tend to work with individual members uh, on site who have a license to, to mine? Yes. The Chamber of Mines, we have had a lot of discussions with them. But the interest of the Chamber of Mines is to protect the large-scale mines. And that has been the conflict that we have had with them. Because every time we tell them, this is what needs to be done, you know, we don't seem to have the answer. And it's like the mines, large-scale mines, Every president that comes in to present the Chamber of Mines is coming from the large-scale mines who is going to be put there to protect the interests of large-scale mining. Apart from um, Mopani Copper Mines, which has shown interest after seeing a lot of uh, safety, a lot of uh, illegal miners going in their mine, you know, just two days ago, our people, they had to riot because they were refused to enter a certain pit by Mopani Copper Mines. Mopani Copper Mines, last year, it gave us a dump site which benefited some communities, but they still want more. Because before any large-scale mine finds these minerals, it's us who are going to see them first. So if they see us that we are, going, we are mining there every day, they'll come in and remove us. They'll start mining there. We had this same with a Chinese mine, uh, CMC in Luansha. We started, we had to discover another mineral, copper and cobalt there. We started mining three months later, the same Chinese came to mine where they were not mining. And this is not supposed to be the case because they're supposed to allow us, we are ready to negotiate with them. If we mine, we can sell to them. You know, we are not refusing to say, no, if we mine, we are going to take the minerals. No, we can be selling to them. We agree with them. They should not chase us. So the conflict that has been there is that they don't want us to be near uh, those areas which are restricted, that is theirs. But when you look at these areas, they haven't touched them for almost 20 years. And when we discover the minerals, they come and chase us. So that has been the conflict. But above all, we are seeing an era after um, government um, got um, and uh, negotiated with uh, Konkola Copper Mines. We were given another dump site, although it's not all that rich, but we are able to concentrate that mineral and sell 
back to KCM. So the same module that we are using is what we want to be using to other mining companies. Hmm. So, so if I understand you correctly, Simon, your members' business model, at least as far as access in the minerals, is that you want to be given access to certain parts of concessions owned by the large-scale miners. Mm -hmm. They may include yeah. uh, mm -hmm. tailing stumps, they may include abandoned pits, yeah. but basically yeah. you, you follow uh, yes. the, the large-scale miners. And, 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 and so let me ask you a question then uh, on that. Uh, my experience with uh, whether it's open pit of underground mines is that environmentally they can be, for one, especially the underground miners, they, mines, they can be potentially dangerous. Let's start with that. How do you ensure, one, that you, your miners go into areas that are safe? Uh, and yeah. two, that environmentally, uh, they work with both government and the large-scale miners to make sure that the areas are restored uh, properly. Maybe we start with uh, the safety one first, uh, Simon. I, I think, uh, Shira, when you look at the Zambian scenario, Zambia has a lot of educated uh, men and women who are qualified to work with us in the environmental sector. Every time we are doing mining, we put up a structure, a proper organization structure, where we are going to employ safety officers, we are going to employ environmental officers who put up all the safety measures, because that has been one of the worries of government, is safety. Last time we were given one of the dump sites, because of overlooking on the issue of safety, we lost about 11 people on that day when uh, the telling had to collapse. But above all, we've been able to train our people and those people, former miners who are working in those safety departments, environmental officers, they have come to join us. They are saying, no, we are ready to work with you, you know? So, even in other new concessions where we are having new licenses, where we don't have conflicts, we have those safety officers who are on the ground. I'll be able to send you videos of what we are doing on other mining areas so that you see that we are ready to look after the small operations if given a chance by large scale miners. Because we don't want to see people, our people, been injured, what we want to, to do is to protect lives and our people must have food every day and every hour. What about the cost of uh, restoring the site? Do you see that as the responsibility of the original company or do you see that as the responsibility of the Zambia Small Scale Miners Association, or both of you? We are, we are ready because, you know, the big chunk, when you look at these pits, uh, Shira, they are very, very big. And uh, I've never seen uh, any of uh, these large scale mines when they take the minerals that they are going to do a proper mine closure system. 
I've, I've never seen that. Many of them, they just leave, they mine, they leave the pit. They mine here, they leave the pit. But our people, because where we have reached now, Shira, because of having experience in these minerals, I don't need a binoculars. I don't need a tester for me to know that this is the percentage or the concentration of gold that we have or copper. Just to look at with my eyes, I'll be able to see the all, how it's going and the concentration, I'll be able to give it to you that, oh, this might, might be minus or plus one percentage of concentration. So in terms of safety, we are able to see that here where we are, this is what can happen. And sometimes we don't use um, those um, uh, big, big machines. Sometimes we use small machines which um, can be able to help us to mine. But when you look at the mine closure, I've never seen any large-scale mining maintaining these pits to close them. Some of them, they remain like that with water, and it's a danger to our people, especially to our children. And recently in Chingola, we lost five children who were able to fall in these pits which have been left by these large-scale miners. I'm very sorry to hear that. Is that the, the loss of the 11 people and the children is a real mm. tragedy. And, and I think both from a small scale and a large scale mining uh, perspective, this is something that really must be addressed and addressed urgently. Uh, and yeah. I think it's probably one of the reasons why it is so critical for yeah. the Zambia Small Scale Miners Association to work closely with the large-scale miners, because I think only when that happens and the government uh, becomes, if you wish, the arbitrator, uh, can we avoid these uh, uh, challenges of uh, uh, lack of safety. I want to ask you a question. You mm -hmm. have uh, over and over again, and quite rightly as a father, uh, you, you have quite rightly emphasized the importance of people being able to make a living. You know, some yes. people, some uh, see these things as human rights issues. You speak of them uh, from a business perspective. Do you see a link between what your members are advocating and basic human rights? Yes, I think um, it's our right, Shira, to mine uh, these minerals. I don't think we should have all these difficulties we have gone through, even just to, uh, for me to deal in copper, I need to get permission from someone, you know? It's my right, it's my mineral. One thing, Shira, I can tell you is that Zambia has taken too long to handle its mineral wealth. We have taken too long to handle the mineral sector. Right now, because of our aggressive persuasion to speak for the people, the Bank of Zambia, it has introduced a policy of starting buying gold and copper, you know, because of us. And because of us, ZCCM has listened and they've gone on the ground to start buying gold. But imagine if we started this maybe 20 years ago, how much gold Zambia was going to have in stock? How much copper was going to have in stock? America, 
China, they are keeping about 300,000 tons of copper coming from here, which they are using for their collateral. And us, we remain with nothing. So I think we need brains that are sitting to control the mineral sector. I think that, that is my answer on that one. So Simon, a lot of what you say resonates in many parts of Africa, Asia, and Latin America. The, and, and one of the things you keep emphasizing is this is our minerals, this is our gold, this is our copper. Yeah. Everybody uh, feels that. And, and I, I, I empathize with the sense of ownership. I empathize with the sense of, if you wish, the right to the Zambian gold or copper or emerald legacy. I, I empathize with the sense that uh, wherein uh, it may not be the case, when possible, as many Zambian women should adorn themselves with uh, what essentially is a national heritage. Zambia is Africa's largest producer of emeralds, and so it makes sense. But it's, it's one thing, isn't it, Simon, to recognize those, but it's another also to understand the limitations, which is for one, uh, not all Zambians can afford a $5,000 necklace. Uh, others yeah. don't have that privilege. But what you're saying is if they do have the privilege, then they ought to be able to exercise it. I think we can all agree yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. On, on that issue. What I yes. want to press you on, Simon, is this notion of it's my rights. So my sense is that rights are like a coin. They're one side of a coin. On the mm -hmm. one side, you have rights. And then yes. on the other side, you have responsibilities. Yes. And yes. I wanted uh, you to say to me, granted the rights that you do as uh, a Zambian, what are you going to do which adds, improves, or might even be better than what the large-scale miners are doing to improve the lot of the Zambian people because the copper, the gold, the emeralds is not property of any one person, it's property of all Zambians. And the yeah. small-scale miners and the large-scale miners are privileged to have the license to extract it. So beyond yeah. uh, what we do for ourselves as families and individuals, what do you think is the contribution of your association and its members to the bigger picture in Zambia, Simon? I think uh, the largest contribution, Shira, which we, uh, we have uh, recognized, I can say, is that government has listened. And when we speak, they are listening. We are being invited on different platforms on different conferences. We are being invited by government itself to see on how they can combat this thing. The largest contribution, the largest contribution I can tell you, Sheila, is that this is a poverty reduction program. Mm, you know, that's important. This is, yes, this is a poverty reduction program. 
Because some of the things that our people are going through in these rural areas, especially where God is coming from in Eastern province, you'll find that where God is coming from, there's a lot of water, but there's no borehole for our people to drink water. But there's water nearby where we are using to wash that gold, you know? So we want, we, we, we want to, to be remembered that we spoke for the Zambian people. You know, we fought for the Zambian people. It has taken us almost 15 years. We are still speaking. We are talking about this every day. We receive calls every day from different media to ask us how far we have gone and where we are going. And it is good that government now has realized that for them to reduce poverty levels and unemployment in this country, it is through empowerment of mineral uh, uh, mineral businesses. That's the only way. I know there might be other way of doing the agriculture sector, but before we can go to that, we need to look at what God has given us. How are we using our minerals and who's benefiting? You know, how are we adding value to the copper? As Small Scale Miners Association of Zambia, we have opened up a program where we have started making necklace and copper bangles, earrings, and we want to be buying this copper direct from the large scale miners. We want to be making frames, picture frames. We want to be making uh, uh, laptop protectors using the copper, you know? And we know that we are going to manage and yeah, this is a way to go. Other people, the copper that is here is just going. We want to be remembered in uh, uh, this country that we fought to reduce the unemployment level using the mineral sector. We fought um, to reduce the poverty levels and we fought for the girl child who is not going to school, mm -hmm. but she wants to go to school. Now, because of challenges, she can't make it. So these are some of the things that we are doing. So we want to make sure that we go down to the communities. We give them small machines. They start crushing stones for their living so that they can be able to manage the day-to-day -day challenges which they are going through. I think on this one, we'll be remembered that um, Small Scale Miners Association of Zambia spoke for the people of Zambia on unemployment and poverty levels using the minerals that we have. Uh, here's my last question to you, Simon. Mm. See, you are Small Scale Miners Association. Do you see the small scale miners of Zambia becoming the large scale miners of the future? Or do you think that in yeah. effect, small is beautiful and, and that this is your position of advantage and that scaling mm. up might mm. undermine that position of advantage? Yeah. Shira, Shira is a plus for us. So far, the people that I started with, all the people that I started with, they are running their own big companies. Right now, we've got um, our members who have got a lot of tipper trucks. You know, tipper, those are 30 ton, 25 ton tipper trucks to carry all from different places. We are providing employment. Right now, like last week, we were getting uh, signing a contract with Barrow World 
where we'll be getting machinery excavators, loaders, and uh, uh, these big dump trucks. They are trusting us because they know that we are able to move all and sell to the other, other uh, uh, company. So that is a plus. We have created employment for uh, truck drivers. Some of our members, they've bought trucks, which they are now getting into contracts with large-scale miners to be carrying copper from Zambia to South Africa. It's us. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, we are delivering a machine from a new mine which we want to open up in Lusaka. And you know, uh, I was just surprised to say Lusaka is the capital province. And I wonder how um, our forefathers, they were living in Lusaka without knowing that Lusaka has got copper and cobalt and gold, you know? So we are mining copper here in Lusaka and we have provided over 50 jobs there at a new mine. We are taking machinery there. That area, it will be developed very soon because our funders, they are giving us all what we need. And the copper is coming out, the cobalt is coming out, the gold is coming out. And very soon, I'm going to give you, I think, even just a year, you'll hear us publishing our companies on the London Metal Exchange. And that is that has been our goal. Because all along, we have been able to say, no, we are looking for this, we are looking for this, but we've run away now from that. We've built our own capital. What we want is reinforcement so that we can increase on production because without high production in the gold sector, in the copper sector, then we are not going anywhere. So what we want is to increase the production this year and the years to come so that we can be now on the international market with our people and we want to encourage more buyers, more investors to come and invest in Zambia because the soil that we have is very fertile and gold copper is lying in all the 10 provinces. That's wonderful, Simon. I, I wish you and your members uh, well. It has been wonderful speaking with you on the Sheila Kama Extracted Podcast.